All right. Welcome to Renovate. How's everybody doing? Good? Great. I'm doing well. Thanks. Um, well, my name is Tyler Durham, and I am the Life Stage 2 pastor here at Christ Chapel. And I want to welcome you here. If you're a guest, thanks for joining us. Um, afterwards, I'd love to meet up with you. I'll be around up front, but we really do appreciate you being here tonight. And we hope that tonight is a blessing to you. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to John chapter 13. And if you don't have a Bible and you want one, we have some in the back. And so uh, one of the serve guys, if you'll go back there, if you need a Bible, you can just kind of raise your hand and we'll get one for you. John chapter 13. But we are in the middle of a uh, sermon series called Vital Signs. And really the goal of this series is to ask you guys some diagnostic questions so that you can evaluate where you are in your Christian life. Um, the first series of this spring semester, we talked about making disciples and turning the world upside down. And uh, part of that happening is you addressing where you are spiritually and where you need to, to grow. And so in these six weeks, we're going to ask you six questions to help you diagnose your spiritual life. And some of you are maybe a one or two on a scale of one to ten with some of these questions. Some of you may be a zero. Maybe you've never even met Christ and you're hearing about these things for the first time. Some of you may be a six or seven and all of us want to take some steps towards God. And so it's not about you leaving here feeling guilty or feeling uh, comparing yourself to other people. It's about taking steps towards God in your relationship with Jesus Christ. It's not about a checklist. I don't want you to leave here thinking I've got to get this checked off my list so that I can become more like Christ. It's about connecting with Him on a heart level. And so the first week, Ben Fuquay, um, one of our pastors here at Renovate, talked about do you thirst after God? Do you thirst after the character and attributes of God? Do you thirst after the person of God? Do you want more of Him? Do you long to know God more than you do right now? And he did a great job fleshing that out. And I'm sure some of you left thinking, man, I'm not where I want to be. And last week I talked about, do you hunger after God's Word? I mean, do you really see the Word of God as your spiritual food? And do you really spend the time to intake that spiritual food so that he, it will transform your spiritual life and it will nourish your spiritual life and help you grow closer to Christ and more like Christ? Some of you left last week, I talked to you, and you weren't where you wanted to be. And guess what? I'm not where I want to be. Each week, as Ben and I go through this series, we're convicted by what we're studying during the week. And this week is no different. The question I want to ask tonight is a simple one. Are you growing in love? Are you growing in love? Christian love. And later on in the talk, I'm going to talk about the difference between just the natural love that all men have and this supernatural Christian love. Are you growing in Christian love? In high school, when I started um, growing in my faith and, and really became more public with my faith, I was probably 18, one of the first things I did, and y'all can laugh at me, that's okay, but I got one of those WWJD bracelets. Anybody have one of those at some point? Thank you. Some of you have one on right now. Awesome. Yeah, I had a black WWJD bracelet, and I wore that around everywhere because I wanted people to know that I was a Christian. That was kind of my mark so that people would know Tyler is a follower of Christ. 
But there's a much greater mark than a WWJD bracelet or a Christian fish sign on the back of your car or a cross around your neck. That mark, the Bible says, is love. That is the mark of a Christian. And so in the passage I had you turn to, John chapter 13, verses 33 to 35. Real quick, I'm going to set the stage for this passage, but we're going to go on and look at some other passages during my talk. And so you might not be able to follow along your Bibles, but I'll read them for you. But in John chapter 13, 13, verse 33, Jesus had just finished his Passover meal with his disciples. And so they're in the upper room and Jesus is, he washes their feet and they have this last meal and he's telling them that he's going to die and they don't get it. And he says that one of you are going to betray me. And then he leaves them with these words, starting in verse 33. He says, little children, yet a little while and I, I am with you. You will seek me and just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I am going, you cannot come. And where he was going is he was going into the grave. He was going to die a horrible death on the cross. And they didn't get it. But he's saying, where I'm going, you cannot come. And then he says this. He says, a new commandment I give to you. That commandment is that you love one another. That you love each other as followers of Christ. And he says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And listen to this. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. Let me say that again. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The chief mark of a Christian, the best way to be a witness to a non-believing world is loving each other. That's what Jesus says. Jesus knows that they're about to face persecution. Jesus knows that they're about to face opposition. And there's going to be temptation to divide. There's going to be temptation to go at each other, especially with the plan that Jesus had to reach the whole world, even the Gentiles. There was tension with that. And Jesus said, the world will know that you are my followers if you love one another. How are you doing in this? That's the question tonight. How are you doing in loving one another? How are you doing in loving your neighbor? As a ministry that is still in its infancy, renovate. How are we doing as a ministry in loving each other. Can people that don't know Christ come in here and say, man, I, I don't know about a lot of things, but I know that these people love each other. How are we doing in that? That's the question I want you to keep in your mind as we go through tonight. But what I want to do is show you that this isn't some isolated text that Jesus said. This is all throughout the New Testament. And so don't turn with me. There's no way you can keep up. This is just a... a uh, uh, a number of texts from the New Testament, from all over the New Testament, that I'm just going to run through real quickly. Just be patient with me. John 15, 12, this is my commandment, Jesus says, that you love one another as I have loved you. John 15, 17, these things I command you so that you will love one another. Romans 12, 10, Paul says, love one another with brotherly affection. And later on in Romans, in, in chapter 13, he says, owe no one anything except to love each other. For the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. So now faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. 1 Corinthians 16, 14. Let all that you do be done in love. Galatians 5, 14. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Ephesians 5, 2. And walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. 
1 Thessalonians 4, 9. Now concerning brotherly love, you have no need for anyone to write to you. For you yourselves have been taught by God to love one another. Hebrews 10, 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love. Hebrews 13, 1. Let brotherly love continue. 1 Peter 1.22 Having purified your souls by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. 1 John 3.11 For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning that we should love one another. And finally, 1 John 4.21 In this commandment we have from Him whoever loves God must also love his brother. That's not all the passages in the New Testament. That's just me very quickly pulling some aside. Love is what the New Testament is all about. That is the chief mark of a Christian. That's why Paul gets so upset with gossip and backbiting and slander in the body of Christ. How can we do that? When the mission is for us to love one another and to love our neighbor as ourselves. If you're growing in your love for others, then you're growing as a Christian. And remember last week, if you were here last week, I said, there is no neutral with these things. The Christian life is not, I got to a certain point, now I can coast for a few months or for a few years, and I can stay where I am. No, it's either moving forward on the journey towards Christ or moving away. There is no neutral. And so I'm asking all of us a question, including me, Am I growing in love? Are you growing in love? Because if you are, then you are growing as a Christian. That scale of 1 to 10, where are you? Are you a 2? Your close friends think, man, that, that guy, that girl, she, she really loves God and loves others. Or are you in a place where people just can't identify that in your life? If you're not growing in love, you're not growing as a Christian. So tonight, what I want to do real quickly as, as we've kind of, it's been the pattern in this series, is I, I want to distinguish between natural love, which everyone has to a certain degree, and Christian love, which is supernatural. There is a difference. And so I want to do that at the beginning. And then I want to just ask the question, how do we know we're growing in love? I want to give you two areas where you can look at in your life and say, I'm growing in love or I'm declining in love. And then finally, Let's look at some ways that we can get better at this thing uh, called Christian love. And so, first off, what is the difference between natural love and Christian love? You know, in my life, for a while, I was confused about seeing people who didn't know Christ that seemed to be loving people. Like they had a great family and their kids loved them. And I, I thought, man, that, that doesn't fit my paradigm. But in God's common grace, which he's given to all people, we've all been given this degree of love because it's a part of being made in the image of God. I read a book on the Third Reich, which was about Nazi Germany and the, and the um, Hitler's armies and, and his men. And they did some horrific things. And if you've seen Schindler's List, you know what I'm talking about. But, but some of these men who were high up, who, who were in charge of these concentration camps, would, uh, this is graphic stuff that is haunting that I read in this book called The Third Reich, but they would kill these infant babies that were Jewish babies. And they would just line people up and send some to the furnace and some to the, to the slave encampments. And, and they would just declare people dead on the spot and shoot people execution style on the spot. We're talking thousands a day. And these people would go home at night and kiss their kids and give their kids bedtime stories. 
These people on the way home would grab a bottle of wine to celebrate their wife's birthday because they wanted to show love to their wife. How on earth could that be? That's a natural love that God has given to all mankind in certain degrees. We're not talking about this natural love that everyone has, a parent for a child, a a brother for a sister. This is far greater than a natural love. So what is Christian love and how is it different? Christian love is a, is a love that flows out of God's love for us. Christian love is a love that is overflowing because of God's love for us. Paul says in Romans 5.5, 5, The love of God has been poured out into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And that love that's been poured into our hearts can't help but overflow into the lives of the people around us. This love is not something that we inherited by birth. This is not a love that's part of our being image bearers of God. This is a love that comes from outside of us. This is a love that is given to us through the Holy Spirit. An unbeliever only has access to natural love. And that's what we see in people's lives. But this is a love that is to a far greater degree. I love this passage. Many of you have read it. 1 John 4, 10 through 11, you don't have to turn there. John says this, and John walked with Jesus in what was one of Jesus' inner circle. He was one of the, the three closest friends of Jesus. He says, in this is love, not that we have loved God. Not that we have loved God, but that He has loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. And then the same John in the Gospel of John says, A new commandment I give to you, we read that earlier, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. This Christian love is rooted in Christ's love for us. And so I want to stop for just a moment. And I don't want to assume that everyone in this room knows this love from Jesus that I'm talking about. See, what happened was when Adam and Eve ate from the fruit, sin entered the world, death entered the world, and at that moment we were separated from God. They were in perfect harmony and relationship with God, and the moment they ate of the fruit, boom, sin and death entered the world, and separation enters the world, and that relationship with God is affected, the relationship with, with each other is affected, and the relationship with creation is affected. And so what we could think is that that was God's plan A. We messed up God's plan A. And so plan B for God is to destroy everyone and start over. That would make sense. He's all powerful. He's, he's, he's mighty. He deserves all of our worship. We messed it up. Let's just, let's just start over. But he didn't do that. He always kept a remnant. And we see that in the Old Testament. God, in his mercy, keeps a remnant. And that remnant is going to be the people that Jesus is born from. And so you have creation, Adam and Eve, then you have the fall, and then you have redemption. Here's the crazy thing about the good news of the gospel. God didn't leave us in our sin, but he invaded earth, and he took on human flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. He was born of a virgin, and he inherited this human nature. But he was both God and human and he lived the perfect life. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that he died on the cross as a substitute for us. We deserve death because of our sin. But Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, came and died on our behalf. 
Why did he do that? Because of his love for us, Christ died on the cross. And so he died this horrific death on the cross. He lived this perfect life. He was not deserving of that punishment. And he took the wrath of God on the cross and was, was buried and, and was in the grave for three days. And then he rose again on the third day and defeated death, defeated sin, ascended to the Father so that we might have life. Because of Jesus' love for us, we can be forgiven and cleansed by faith in Him. And many of you have experienced that moment of conversion where you saw Jesus for who He was and you were overwhelmed with His love for you. It's a love that you had never experienced. And at that moment, your life changed. The Holy Spirit came and indwelled you and now has given you the power to love people as Christ loved you. That is supernatural. That's the kind of love that loves someone that you have no common interests with. That's the kind of love that loves someone that can give you nothing in return. Completely unmerited by that person. You love them because you can't help it. Because what God has done in your life is overflowing. We, we have neighbors at our apartment complex at the seminary. My wife and I and our two girls still live in the apartment, the seminary housing over off of Seminary Drive, and we love it. We have a bunch of young families in our apartment complex with kids running around outside. It's great for our, our girls. And my uh, oldest daughter, Rachel's best friend's name's Lucy. And Lucy's one of four of a, a, a family that goes to the seminary. They're from Alaska. They're called to the ministry. Great family, godly couple. And so finally, the other night, they were able to get some babysitters, and they had a date night. And you don't understand, but you will one day. Ben and I understand. Date nights are awesome. Somebody watches the kids and you just have a chance to chill, eat a nice dinner, have coffee, and talk about life with your spouse. It's wonderful. And I can imagine the excitement that they had that they finally got to get to have some alone time. So they're going to go to Brood. They're going to have some coffee, just a nice evening. And they show up and there's a homeless person outside of Brood. And they started this conversation with this homeless person. And that conversation went from 10 minutes to 30 minutes to an hour to two hours. Our friends never set foot in brood that night. Their date night was having a conversation with a homeless person out off of Magnolia Street and loving on him and, and talking to him and sharing the gospel and just taking the time to show him that they love him and care for him. That is, that is Christian supernatural love. The only reason they did that is because of the love that they experienced from their Savior, Jesus Christ. And when I heard that story, you know, I was convicted because I'm looking at this scale in my life and I'm saying, you know what, I probably would have walked by that guy because I've become cynical because I see him every day and I probably wouldn't have stopped and invested that time and sacrificed my time to love on that person. And, and, and the question I asked myself this week is, where am I on this spectrum? Where am I with loving people that aren't like me, that can't do anything for me, that smell bad, that look bad? That, that's the kind of love that takes what Ben and I are trying to do in this ministry and transforms it, is the Christian love. And so where are you? We love because God first loved us. I love this. One writer said, it's only after having been loved that you respond with love. You love him back and you reach out to share with others 
just a tiny portion of the love that you yourself have received from Him. That's what the Christian life's all about. Being over, overfilled with the love of God and then letting that pour out into other people's lives. The, the great evangelist John Wesley said that every day I wake up and set myself on fire for God and then I go out and people watch me burn. He, he wakes up and he lets the love of God so inflame his heart that he goes out and people can see him burning for a love for God and it's overflowing in how he treats other people. A great story is a guy named George Mueller and I'm going to share this story and then we'll, we'll go through a few tips on how to grow in this love. Time flies, but George Mueller, I mentioned him last week. He was a pastor in Bristol, England. He's famous for uh, this one particular thing that I'm going to mention here in a minute. But he spent 66 years pastoring the same church in Bristol, England. He was kind of a maverick. He was kind of an eccentric. And he was constantly thinking of ways to share Christ with others and to share the love of Christ with others. And the biggest thing he was known for around the world in his own lifetime and still today was his orphan ministry. He built five large orphan houses and cared for over 10,000 orphans in his life. Now this is during the Industrial Revolution in England and I, I, we, we can't get a good visual of this but there were homeless children littered all over the street. So picture working in downtown Fort Worth and walking to work and seeing homeless children all you know, dirty and, and in corners and just hanging out with each other and looking for scraps of food and begging for food. And George Mueller, who's pastoring and, and doing three sermons a week, starts this orphan ministry which reaches over 10,000 orphans in his life. When he started it in 1834, there were accommodations for 3,600 orphans in all of England. And twice that many children under eight were in prison. One of the great effects of Mueller's ministry was to inspire others so that 50 years after Mr. Mueller began his work, listen to this, at least 100,000 orphans were cared for in England alone. Because one man understood the love of God and every day woke up and tried to just received the love of God through the gospel and through reading the word and then he went out and he loved the people of England the people that were the outsiders the others the not cool people the not people that were in his circles and it transformed the orphan ministry in England and on a side note what is maybe that ministry that God's called you to pour out your love on we, we, we heard Adara tonight that's a great ministry to be involved with but what is who do you have a heart for who do you have a heart for that you want the love of Christ that you receive to overflow into their lives? Maybe God's calling some of you to start your own ministry. That's not part of my script tonight. It, it, just looking at George Mueller's life, what is that ministry that God's called you to show the love of Christ to? Something to think about. You can't love people with a love that you don't have. This kind of love comes from Christ alone. So, how do we know we've got this love and how do we know we're growing in this love? Real quickly, two different areas. Hang with me. Two different areas. Do you have a love for all men in general? And then the second area is, do you have a love for Christians specifically? You know, as Christians, we're to love all men. Doesn't matter who they are. 
doesn't matter what social issues they, they uh, agree with that you don't agree with. doesn't matter if they're liberals or progressives or uh, they hate Christianity or they're Buddhists. Or mu- we are called to love all men. Why in the world is that? Why is that? Because all men and women were created in the image of God and deserve dignity and respect and love from us, no matter what they believe. In Luke 6, verse 27, it says, But I say to you who hear, this is Jesus, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. So even your enemies are not off the list of love. Luke 6, 32, if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. All men are our neighbors, and we're to love them as ourselves. I was going to read the the Good Samaritan. We've heard the story. I won't read the passage, but the passage, Jesus is talking to a guy, and he's like, uh, you know, Jesus, what is the great commandment? And he he answers correctly. Um, the, The guy talking to Jesus answers correctly. He's like, the great commandment is to love God and love your neighbor. But then he tries to to pin Jesus in a corner. He says, well, Jesus, who is my neighbor? And so Jesus tells a story about some man who was beat up on the side of the road and all the people that were supposed to, to care for that person and love that person kind of were like, oh, I'm going to walk on the other side of the street and act like I don't see him. These were the accepted religious people in society, but the Samaritan who was hated in, in that culture at the time. That was the bad guy. The Samaritan saw the person who was injured and hurting and came and showed love and mercy and kindness to this person. And Jesus said, that is the person who loves his neighbor. That is your neighbor. Your neighbor is anyone who's in need of mercy and love. And so we're to love all men. That's why we go to to Belize. That's why the college ministry goes to Belize. We don't know these people. We don't rub shoulders with them. There's nothing they can do in return for us. We go there because we want to love all of God's people. And that's why we go to Ethiopia. That's why we are a part of these ministries. That's why we go to Beautiful Feet once a month on Saturdays. It's because we're called to love all men. And secondly, we're called to love our fellow believers. 1 John 3.14, we know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. This is scary. Whoever does not love abides in death. Later on he says, if you say you love God but hate your brother, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. It's kind of cool in some circles to say, yeah, I love Jesus, I'm a follower of Jesus, but I don't like his people. I'm kind of turned off by his followers. So we're not going to get involved in the church. We're going to kind of do our own thing because we love Jesus, but we don't love his followers. Guess what? Unbiblical. Guess what? If you don't love his followers, you don't love him. Because John says, if, if you say you love God whom you can't see, but you don't love the people who you rub shoulders with every day that you see, then you don't really love God. And so part of our growth as Christians is to cultivate love for other believers. It's what I love about this room tonight. There's a lot of people in here that wouldn't be rubbing shoulders if they didn't love Jesus. Ben uses the, the phrase of the lunch tables, you know, if, if we didn't have Jesus, a lot of us would be sitting at different lunch tables because we don't have these similar interests. But the great thing about the gospel is it breaks down all of these barriers and we love people because they're in the body of Christ. We're on the same team. We're wearing the same uniform. It doesn't matter if you don't like sports or if you like fill in the blank. We come together because we love Jesus and we've experienced the love of Jesus. 
That's what brings us together. And so what I don't want to see in this ministry is us start to have those cliques where we're going to accept these people because, frankly, we like hanging out with them. But these people are out when we're all on the same team. Where are you on a scale of 1 to 10 in loving other Christians? So finally, these last few minutes, how do we develop this love? You know, every week you're going to get to the end and be like, okay, I get it. I'm a three or a four. How do I become a six or a seven? Okay, we, we, I figured it out. I'm not where I need to be. That's where I was this week. Okay, I get it. I'm not where I need to be. So where do we go? Here's just a few things. There could be other things, but here's just a few. The first one, think about love as the most important distinguishing mark in your life. We don't often think about that. I know I don't. I'm a, I'm a PhD student at the seminary. The distinguishing mark for me is knowledge. That's what I want people to know me as, is the guy who knows a lot. And that really, Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 13, you know, knowledge passes away. You know, if you have knowledge but you don't have love, you're like a clanging symbol. And unfortunately, I'm sure in my life, I've been a clanging symbol to a lot of people. Because I have knowledge, but, but knowledge without love is um, unsatisfactory. So in your life on a day-to-day basis, put love at the top in your mind. It is the distinguishing mark of a Christian life. So think about love that way. Move love up on your list of priorities. Number two, let your heart, and I've already mentioned this, but let your heart be warmed by the fire of God's love displayed on the cross. Let me say that again. Let your heart be rekindled. You know, when you became a Christian, God lit the fire in your heart. Sometimes that fire begins to fade. Let it be rekindled by the fire of God's love displayed on the cross. Some of us in this room need to return to our first love. Some of us in this room need to rekindle that love that you had when you first met Christ. You know what I'm talking about. I remember my freshman year in college where I... I all of a sudden felt this overwhelming love of Christ and I couldn't help but share that with people. I remember that. And I I need to constantly be praying, Lord, rekindle that fire. I don't want to just go through the formalities of Christianity. I don't want to just check the box. I don't want to just be a religious person. I want to be on fire for you and I want to love people out of that overflowing fire for you. Does that make sense? Got to rekindle that. The third thing is just imitating Christ. Uh, and John, we go back to John numerous times. John fifteen thirteen. Listen to this: Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. That's exactly what Jesus did for us. In Ephesians five two, and walk in love as Christ loved us, and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So this only happens as we understand and meditate on God's love for us. That's the only way this happens. As you go back to the gospel again and again and understand what Christ did for us and then imitate Christ in your life. And then here's just two simple things. Pick one relationship in your life where you need to begin to cultivate love for that person. It may be a sibling. It may be a father It may be a mother that you've been disconnected with. It may be a friend or a co-worker. Pick one person that you can begin to apply this Christian love to. 
And then finally, go out of your way to show love to someone who can't give it in return. We work hard to try to provide opportunities for you to do that through the Belize trips, through Beautiful Feet. And we're going to continue to introduce you to ministries where you can love people who can't give you one single thing in return. Think of ways that you can go out of your way to love people who can't do anything in return for you. So where are you when it comes to love? Are you growing in love? Is it becoming a defining characteristic in your life? Where are you when it comes to love? And finally, I want to I leave you with the passage where Paul says, uh, these three remain. He's talking about all the things that will, will, will go away in eternity. These three remain, faith, hope, and love. What's the greatest of these? It's love. It's love. Do you want to grow as a Christian? Do you want to mature as a Christian? Do you want to grow, grow closer to Christ? Then you need to grow in your love. And, uh, and there's no way around that. So where are you? And let's begin to focus on how we can get to the next level in our love for other people. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for, um, in a selfish way, I thank you for laying this series on mine and Ben's heart because it's changing me. As I study these passages and as I study these themes week after week, I begin to realize that, um, that I have a long way to go in my pilgrimage towards, towards eternity with you. And Father, I pray that in my life you would help me to begin to go out of my way to love people. Lord, that you would cultivate in my heart a sacrificial love that, that can't be explained by the watching world. I pray for this ministry. I pray for our young adult ministry that we would be defined by a lot of things like uh, good theology and good preaching and good worship music and great community. But Father, above all those things, my prayer is that people would look at our young adult ministry and say, man, these people love one another. Help us, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.